Hey, welcome back. Another edition of the IndyCar Show as we are ready for the race weekend for the IndyCar Series from the streets of Long Beach. Tony Donahue along with Luke Edwards. We're going to preview the weekend, give you our picks, take a look at the Indianapolis 500 entry list. That seems to be a hot topic around the social media when it comes to the Indy 500 and the NTT IndyCar Series. Luke, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Tony? I'm doing well. Uh, feeling a lot better than last week. I was a little under the weather, but uh, looking forward to Long Beach. I feel like this is where the season really kicks off. Um, we're going to have a lot more races in succession, and soon it's going to be May. So, really excited. We're, we're, we are almost there, and I was out at the Speedway uh, on Friday and talked with, with Grosjean and Simon Pagano. And some other drivers, LEO last Wednesday out at the track. You can check all that out at burnoutsports.com. But, but you know, you, you, when you're there, and even though they weren't testing because they decided, okay, we're not going to blow a test day when it's 41 degrees out here and there's snow flurries. So uh, media got to go out there and talk to some of the drivers. So that was cool. And, I, I mean, obviously you understand, like like Alexander Rossi said, you know, we're not going to go out and waste that day when we can use that for a Portland or a Laguna Seca or something at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, in, in talking to these drivers, it's like, Man, like you, I'm at the track. I'm 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 ready for May. I wanted to be here, and then it's like, oh well, we still have Long Beach and Barber that we can't overlook. So, uh, some great conversations there. Talked to Simon Pagano about kind of building that chemistry at Meyer Shank Racing. Um, talked to the Alexander Rossi about obviously what we're going to talk about here on the show is just his bad luck that he's had so far this year. So, a lot of storylines going into Sunday's Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, Luke. Let's start with Team Penske. It's been a hot start. They've won the first two races. Scott McLaughlin, first in points after a win at St. Pete and second at Texas. Can Team Penske continue the early season dominance and go three for three this weekend at Long Beach? Uh, I don't see why not. Um, when you look at the St. Pete results, not only did you have first place, but you also had Will Power on the podium in third. And um, Will Power also has won in two different types of cars. He won the kind of the 08 mixed points race that was in the old Panos DP01. Um, and and uh, those points went to IndyCar, even though it was really the last of the champ car races in that car. Um, and then he won again in 2012. So I think he's got some momentum there. I, I think you could see him just trade off wins where you go McLaughlin and then you have Joseph obviously at Texas with McLaughlin in second. And yeah, I I'm looking at Will Power in this one. He's always strong on a street course, good at those elbows out tracks. Yeah, um, they've been phenomenal this season. Joseph Newgarden was my pick to win that uh the people ready five hundred thousand dollar bonus, and 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 he can win a, at Long Beach this week, and then he's just a road course race win away. And we know how good he's been at places like Mid Ohio and Road America. So yeah, a, a great start so far. And and, and I'm with you. you. Kind of look at the odds, and McLaughlin New Gardener right there uh, up towards the front is the favorites on Sunday. So uh, maybe Will Power can do it. He's off to a really good season. I believe he's what fourth in the points right now. So. A hot start for Team Penske after what I thought last year was kind of a, a letdown season. Again, a letdown season means a couple wins. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things with Team Penske. It's like, this is how it should be, right? Like, it's if, if this was Ray Hall doing this or a Carpenter Racing or even, you know, some of the other, you'd be like, oh, man, this is incredible. But again, like, like we talked about after Texas, Luke, like after Joseph Newgarden won, you're like, 
Yeah, Joseph Newgarden won. That's what he does. Like it just he's he he yeah. wins all the time. Um, some other storylines going in that we can discuss here for Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBC side of things and, and the green flag start coming up. Uh, but Colton Herta, he won here last fall. He's won the last two, I believe. Sorry, no. Rossi won two years ago and three years ago. And then Colton won fall of last year. Uh, Colton Herta has been dominant on street courses. He's been a guy that is super fast. Uh, what do we think about Colton Herta uh, going into Sunday's race? Can he get his first win of the season? Man, it's a toss-up. Um, as you know, uh, Colton was just out there for the test that got canceled also. And uh, uh, that was the first chance I actually got to meet him and talk with him a little bit. Um, we we got him in a Renard. Um, there's more of that to come. We sat him in the 95 winner. But uh, he, he was already looking ahead and debriefing with his engineers for Barber, which tells me that they are pretty solid for Long Beach going in. As you said, he won it last year. Um, the year previous, the only other race he ran was in 2019, and he had a DNF. So it's kind of hot and cold for him there. Um, but I love that style of driving. One of my favorite things about Colton is that he's just out there on the edge, on the limit all the time. He doesn't like doing the, the fuel saving or the tire strategies. I think he really longs for those races that come down to the wire, and he's just, you know... Mono a mano, him versus the car riding on the limit every lap, kind of like that Senna style used to be. Um, I know he aspires to a lot of these F1 drivers, and he loves that on-edge style of driving that this new car provides, similar to his favorite era, the uh, the mid and late 90s. Um, but yeah, it's it's just going to be interesting because he didn't have that, that natural succession. He came in in 19, and then the race was canceled in 20. Uh, let's see if he can continue his his momentum from 21. Yeah, and he is the odds-on favorite coming in, up this weekend at Long Beach, uh, a guy that uh, we know can get it done. He's had success on the street courses throughout the circuit. And then, as you mentioned, the win last fall. Let's let's stick with the Andretti Autosports stable. Uh, Roman Grosjean is a guy that's kind of been a hit-or-miss start to his Andretti career the first uh, two races. You've got Alexander Rossi, who's won two of the last three at Long Beach in his home state. He's been very good there. But again, he has had probably the worst luck in the paddock over, let's say, the last two years. And then Devlin Francesco taking on uh, his second career street course, but obviously the first time at Long Beach. Let's start with Rossi. Uh, what does he have to do this weekend uh, to kind of get that monkey off of his back? I think it's about keeping your nose clean. Um I, I think if you're not going to qualify up front, those restarts are very critical because you have that hairpin. So if you're not in the top five, there's a good chance. We've seen it a million times where guys get caught up in some mess, in some brake checking, in somebody doing some ill-advised overtake and just sticking their nose where it doesn't belong. So I think if you're not qualified in the top five, you've got to just have those clean restarts gap a little bit if you need to and let the race get going uh we've seen too many guys get turned around in fact i believe rossi's been turned around and, and ran into trouble from somebody else's mistake in that hairpin corner um but i think qualifying is of the utmost importance you know it's a street course it's all about having some some clean air and being able to get your rhythm together anything back in that you know, 10th to 15th area where guys are getting real scrappy is going to be the danger zone. So I think staying in front of that is key. 
Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I mean, outside of Colton Hurta last year, who started 14th and kind of methodically made his way up, he, he gained some spots in that initial start. And then remember, there was a lap one yellow. Um, I think it was Rosenquist who got punted by Ed Jones in that hairpin, and then Bourdais stalled. Uh, but I'm with you. I think, I think it's six of the last seven winners have came from the top seven starting positions. Uh, I think Grosjean's going to be fast. I, I haven't seen enough out of him to say that he's going to contend for the win. Uh, a top five, I think, is certainly doable. I would be a little bit surprised with the podium uh, just because, you know, street courses are so difficult. You obviously only get a couple days of practice on there. You can do a lot in a simulator, but you know when you go to these tracks every time because these are streets that are obviously used what 350 days out of the year uh, by street yeah. cars. You don't know where different bumps are. Uh, it is a wide course at parts, and it's a very very tight course. Um, a little bit different than St. Pete, which is legit like tight the entire way except for maybe that front straightaway. Um, I think Rossi though this weekend, it's like all right. If, if he can't go to Long Beach, a place that he's been so good at, and have a strong run and knock the bad luck out of his way, so to speak, for lack of better terms, then I don't know when that's going to be because Barber, he hasn't been the greatest at. The Indy GP, he's had maybe one or two good runs. And really, the 500 since 2019 hasn't really been a sweet spot for him. And and usually, you show up in the month of May, and, and Alexander Rossi is one of your top five favorites. Last year, he wasn't really a contender. 2020, uh, he was he was right there. And then again, bad luck struck. Really, I think that's when the bad luck started for Rossi was at that 2020 500 uh, with the pit penalty that some people, including myself, would say wasn't his fault. Um, so if, if he can't get it going, and I'm not saying go win. Like obviously, a win would kind of throw that all right. away, but. But a podium and, and even a top five, I think, would feel like a win at this point for Alexander Rossi, which is crazy to say. Um, and then Devlin Francesco, we'll see. Um, I think he's going to have to do his best to just keep his nose clean, prove that he can just kind of stay in his lane and and come home with a clean finish. And, and like you said, uh, uh, the key to this is mostly staying out of other people's messes. So uh, we'll wrap that up with Andretti Autosport. Let's talk about Meyer Shank Racing. Elio Castroneves was fast there. Last year, uh, Simon Pagano has finished, I think, eight of his nine starts at Long Beach inside the top eight. Can Meyer Shank racing with Elio Castro Neves and Simon Pagano contend for the podium this weekend? Uh, see, that's an interesting team. I, I would say this is the dark horse team right here. If you were to look at it collectively and not just an individual driver as far as dark horses go. Because they haven't had the results there this weekend. In your interview with Pagano, he feels the momentum, though. He feels the chemistry within the team, which we know is key. But both of these guys are former winners. You know, we touched on Will Power earlier winning in 08, the last champ car race, and then winning in 12, the first year of the uh, of the DW12 chassis. And uh, we also have a win with Pagano. So we've got three wins in between them. I think that those two together at Long Beach um, can, or, or sorry, I, I was talking about willpower. I have no idea why I was doing that. Rewind. Um, Castro Neves won back in 2001 with Team Penske. So that's what I was referencing. So you've got two wins in between them. Um, I think that knowledge base between Castro Neves and Pagano is just going to be key with those engineers if they already feel that cohesion and they already have that experience winning in different types of chassis. I think that you've got to just get both cars in the top 10, though. Don't you think, Tony? I mean, that should be your goal for this weekend. 
Well, that's a great point, too, because I feel like Long Beach last year, despite the results, was the only race off the top of my head that both Meyer-Shank cars ran well. Like Jack Harvey had a really good run. I think he ended up gaining 18 positions. I think he went from 25th to 7th, and, and Elio was was dominant in the middle part of that race. Uh, just the pit strategy and, yeah. and the cycling just didn't fall into his lap. So, um, yeah, I think before anything, I want to see Meyer-Shank Racing have two cars uh, just have a good day. I don't. We haven't really seen that. You know, Elio wins the 500 last year, and Harvey wasn't a contender. And and now so far this year, we, we've seen Simon be okay, and we've seen Elio just kind of be okay. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think having both cars uh, just have a good weekend is 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 a good step in the right direction uh, for the Meyer Shank Racing team. Uh, this is a tough place on rookies. Only one rookie has finished in the top 10 in the last 10 years. That was... Carlos Munoz, uh, what driver, Luke, this weekend are you looking at in the rookie class uh, to maybe contend? I'm not going to say for top five because, as I just mentioned, it's very rare that it happens for a rookie at Long Beach. But give me a rookie that you can see uh, scoring a top ten this weekend. For sure. Um, something in my gut is telling me that DeFrancesco has some momentum behind him. I mean, he... Mm-hmm. He was feeling a little. He was feeling some type of way after Texas, I think, because he took a lot of heat on. Um, but you look at that Andretti squad. I think Long Beach is the place for them to make their mark. You've got strong uh, abilities with Herta. You've got strong abilities with Grosjean, who got fifth at St. Pete. Um, Lungard wasn't too bad, you know. He he ran a clean race at St. Pete, um, but I I'd say the best shot. At a, at a top 10, maybe a top five, if everything goes well, might be in that Foyt stable, might be Kyle Kirkwood, um, because he got a solid 11th place finish at St. Pete. And sometimes those Foyt cars can uh, can sneak up on you on these street courses, especially if you have some road course, street course prowess behind the wheel. So, um, But my gut is still telling me, G. Francesco, despite the stats, despite the, the finishes at St. Pete, um, but you're you're right. It's again the key is going to be keeping it clean. We we've seen the mistakes take these rookies out time after time, and then the rookie class really did struggle overall. It wasn't like a couple years ago in '18 when you had Robert Wickens up there. You know these street courses. I think maybe maybe it's the heavier car. You have a, a higher center of gravity with the aero screen. They just were tired out, and and Long Beach is not going to give them any sort of break compared to St. P. I, I would say it's just as hard, if not harder. And I don't think off the top of my head, we've had a rookie finish in the top 10. I mean, obviously Jimmy Johnson had the sixth at Texas, but I'm not considering him a rookie, even though that was his first IndyCar race at Texas. I believe Christian Lungard was 11th at St. Pete, if not mistaken. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. This is not a forgiving track. Like if you make a mistake, you're done for the day or you're going to piss some people off. And and this was the last, yeah. I believe the last IndyCar race at Foyt one was with Sato at, it was either Houston or Long Beach. I know Sato won Long Beach and I believe 12 or 13. So um, I'm kind of yeah, with you did. though. I think Devlin and, and the weird thing with Devlin for me is like, we were, we were scheduled to have him and do an interview. And then obviously with the test being moved around and different things happening, that didn't happen. Uh, and then we thought maybe we'd see him on Friday. We didn't. So anyway, but I, I think there is um, a fire burning in him to go out and say, I belong here. I'm going to compete. I'm going to keep it clean, but I'm going to race you hard. 
uh, and start gaining yeah. and earning that respect uh, because, you know, come Indy, come, come Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and that week or, you know, six, seven days of practice, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to earn the trust of a lot of these guys. So um, we'll see. Uh, Kirkwood, I thought had a really good run at Texas on the oval. If you didn't check it, um, there is a, I think it's called beyond the race or behind the scenes, whatever IndyCar is doing. It was great. 20 yeah. video. They're doing it for uh, a different driver. Every race. I think Simon Pagino kicked the season off at St. Pete. So if you haven't got a chance to check that out, Please do. All right, we talked and, about uh, let this. Let me correct myself with yeah. real quick. Sorry, yeah. Tony, with uh, with the Kirkwood thing. Yeah, Kirkwood had a solid run. I mean, he stayed on the lead lap at St. Pete, but I was referring to uh, Christian Lungard um, because the mm -hmm. Ray Hall stable also got a top 10 with seventh place in Graham Ray Hall in St. Pete. So, yeah, I, I think Christian Lungard, excuse me, excuse my mistake, has the, the best shot at getting the highest place finish for a rookie in Long Beach. Let's talk about some of these guys that I know we talked about Rossi and the bad luck, uh, but Connor Daly, Felix Rosenquist, uh, Jack Harvey, who missed Texas after the accident uh, of these guys that have kind of struggled to start the season. Uh, who's who's in the most dire need for a great run this weekend and who will have the better run out of Connor Daly, Felix Rosenquist, Jack Harvey. Well, you were spot on when we talked about Team McLaren uh, coming into the season. It, you kind of had they, they had all the hype behind them. They had all the social media presence behind them. Um, the results just have not been there. Uh, they showed speed at Texas. Um, St. Pete, just they weren't really on the map. I, I think it's going to be Daly and Rosenquist that have the most pressure on them. Daly has this this new found security in his ride uh you've really got to prove yourself now you know you've got a full contract going on i think we've got to see a good result for ecr there rosenquist same thing you're you've got the big name team you've got all the money behind you you've got all the presence so you know and, and your teammate was Pato last year who who definitely became the number one in that team this is also your shot to kind of compete for that number one and at least get on equal terms. Um, we saw the poll at Texas, so maybe that'll carry into some good momentum, even though that race kind of fell apart for both of the McLaren drivers. But yeah, I, I think guys like Kirkwood, um, DeFrancesco, you know, y your, your goal is to finish race clean, get a top 10 if you can. Um, even a top 15 would be good if you're a rookie out there. Harvey... Uh, you know, it, it, it's another big year. You're you're moved over to the 45 car with Ray Hall Letterman, and you've got two fast guys, two guys that have won on plenty of street courses um, in, in their careers, and and they have all the prowess behind him. Lungard, like we said, has a lot of momentum behind him, and Graham Ray Hall, for goodness sake, I mean, he won his first IndyCar race on the streets of St. Petersburg. So I think Harvey's probably that third on the podium of being on the hot seat this weekend. Yeah. And, and it goes back to the point that you and I talked about, you know, at the very, very beginning of the year, this, the series is so damn tough. I mean, it is, you know, you would think, Oh, you know, going out and scoring a top 10, like that's nothing. It can be done. But when there's 27, 28 cars and you've got all these competitive drivers, I mean, it is, it is cutthroat right now in IndyCar. car. It's one oh, of yeah. the top, 
it's one of the top fields that we've seen in in a very long time, and there is no room for error. And if you're going to win a championship, remember last year, Alex Pillow had an average finish of 7.1. So that's a top 10 every single weekend. And it is so tough to get top 10s, let alone top fives, top threes. And it's hard to win races when Team Penske has whipped everybody's ass in the first two races of the season. So it is difficult. You know, we sit here and say, you know, oh man, Rossi needs to get this bad luck and Harvey needs to get going. And it's like, obviously they're trying but it is damn hard, and it's harder than what I think it's been for the last probably 10 to 15 years. You know, I kind of go back to Robert Wickens' year and and kind of how, how great the field was there. But you look at it now, and, you know, and we'll talk about Indy and the entry list, just how difficult it's going to be to win that race. Um, but but it is tough, and I think if you're Jack Harvey, look, yeah, you uh, from what I was told that you had a chance that you could either stay with – where you stay where you were, or you can move over to Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. That kind of had been in the talks, and he moved over to Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. And High V has backed him, um, even though the rumors in the offseason where they wanted to back an American driver, uh, I think, which would have been Ferrucci. But um, with his kind of newfound love to go stock car racing, that's another uh, another conversation. And, and I think the pressure's on. He had a very, very struggling weekend in St. Pete. And then obviously he didn't even start the race at Texas. So uh, I like Jack Harvey a great yeah. deal. I think the talent's there. What a great weekend for him to show that it's still there and he can get a top 10. This was one of, if not his best runs of 2021 at the end of last year, uh, moving up and finishing in the top 10. So uh, my eyes are on Jack Harvey this weekend. You know, can you, can you, can you qualify? Yeah. Can you stay up front? Can you get yourself a top 10. And, and as we talked about Luke, some of the keys to winning here, um, great pit stops, but again, qualifying well uh, on a street course, this is usually a two stop race. So you really don't have a lot of time to, to, to make things up. It's very easy to get caught in somebody else's mess, get punted, get spun around. Uh, and, and just like, you know, in a matter of moments, more than anything on a street course, your, your day can be ruined in a heartbeat. So, uh, I love Long Beach. I think it's going to be a great race coming up on Sunday. That's on NBC again. Green flag just after 3 o'clock from the streets of Long Beach, California. Uh, they will be going up against the Masters and the back nine. So it'll be interesting to see, Luke, the rating there. Uh, just real quick, I don't want to – I know it's on here to talk about the schedule a little bit more, but but do you think IndyCar, NBC, and we've talked about this, needs to go to – the drawing board and say, okay, we don't need to be going up against the NCAA tournament opening round weekend. We don't need to be going up against the masters. Uh, the last, you know, the, the back nine where everybody's going to be watching, especially if tiger or Dustin Johnson or some of these big names are in there. Um, and I think I mentioned this before Mark miles kind of talked about, well, we don't really look at other series or other, other sporting leagues. Well, I personally think you need to because your two of your first three races are going up against once a year major sporting events, and you're not going to get ratings doing that. Yeah, it's a tough thing just because of the time of year. I mean, we've never really worried about it with the finals because the NBA finals kind of come after the month of May, um, and then used to you'd have a, a Saturday night Texas race. So it was um, you, you kind of had that excitement surrounding No Limits Texas. Um, it, it's tough. I see 
their point of saying we're our own thing. We don't need to compete against it. But I think the one thing with the schedule is I like something that feels kind of like an old reliable, you know, football Sundays. I know every Sunday, 1 p.m. I go back there and that's something that's been talked about in all of racing is having the same start time. So every no matter what time zone you're in, either it starts at noon or it starts at two. But wherever you live, you know where that start time is outside of like a special night race. Um, I think we could compete better against these events if the schedule was more condensed and, and maybe had a few races added just to fill in those gaps. It would be nice to have kind of that NASCAR-esque run of having like four races right in a row. Um, it, it's something the teams aren't used to. I would love to see that. That's a pie in the sky dream. Um, but I, I'm curious, what do you think the solution is though, Tony, if, if not to go up against these events? I don't mind a, and I know it seems like the off season is forever, right? I don't mind a more condensed schedule. Look, you start at St. Pete, what, 10 days earlier or two weekends earlier. That was at the end of February. So, as much as fans were thirsting for IndyCar racing, especially coming off the Daytona 500 and the 24 hours of Daytona earlier in the month. Um, but then again, it's a three-week gap to Texas, and it's a three-week gap to get to Long Beach, and you got to wait to the end of this month. And then all of a sudden, the month of May, isn't. it's like every day something's going on, and that's great. And, and it's it's just these crews, it's like start and stop. And then and then when it's when it's on, it's really on. And when it's, when it's slow, it's slow. So... I wouldn't mind seeing a more condensed schedule, to be honest. Um, I think you need to look outside of Agreed. the box and, and and maybe think about running more Saturday races or, I don't know, run a Friday night race, try that. Um, I think it would be cool if you could have that 18 to 20 race schedule that ran from like March to the end of August or maybe early September. You know, IndyCar used to end the season in early September at either Chicagoland or Texas was a season finale there when they had two races in the early 2000s. Yep. Um, there, there is no need to be going up against the NFL. You will never win that battle. And I'm sorry, you are competing, you know, for the same eyeballs as the NFL already has. I mean, I remember when they had, um, I think it was a Grand Prix out there a few years ago, um, or they had something and the Colts were at home might have been a preseason game. I don't I don't remember, but it's like, you know, most IndyCar fans are Colts fans or are fans of the NFL team in their city. So um I would like yeah. to see a more condensed schedule. You do need to think about we're going up against the Masters, we're going up against the NCAA tournament, we're going up against a major and I think and this this might be it. These might be the only two conflicts really, because I mean baseball doesn't really have much until October. Uh, the NBA finals are usually during the week. Um, and, and it's, you know, there's usually five, there's obviously four to seven games during that. Um, I would love to see some kind of like exhibition all-star race, maybe one in October and one in the warm climate in November to maybe make that a little bit love of a it. smaller gap in the off season, whether you go to Kentucky in October, then maybe go to like Homestead or run in a warm environment, you know, even if you go back for like another race at Laguna B or at Laguna Seca and it's warm, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, you know, maybe you get, and, and maybe you go to people ready and say, Hey, 
we appreciate the million dollars that you put up for this incentive throughout the year. What if we split that up and, you know, we made these two all-star races where the winner gets $250,000, you know, make it worth yeah. this, uh, the investment for those two all-star races. And again, we can get into that. That's plenty of off-season chatter, but I would like to just see the, the hey, Charlotte condensed. Roval all-star race. Perfect for me. Um, <laughs> but like, don't be competing against the masters. Don't be competing against yeah. the NCAA tournament and these things that are going to just continue to get massive ratings that take away from you. So, um, yeah, that's kind of yeah, my totally thought on agree. that. I, I, in the season on the, on the last Sunday before Thursday night, NFL kickoff, make that a thing. Boom. You have your finale. Yep. Now we get to football. And, and you know what? I mean, and, and again, we, we've probably dove a little bit too far into this. But <laughs> I wouldn't hate to see, um, and I, I this is going to, this might, I don't know. I don't know how people feel about this. I love that there's a, a road course race in the month of May at the Speedway. But I'm not against moving that, right? Like you already have one in August with NASCAR. So that's probably going to stay on the schedule on that date. But I'm not mad about having a Saturday afternoon race at the Speedway as the last race of the year on NBC tucked right in between Thursday night football on NBC, Sunday night football on NBC, maybe have that be a lead into a Notre Dame football game and you finish the season right there on the last on the last uh Saturday or the last weekend before the NFL starts. Uh, but again, this this is all stuff that we can we we can dive deeper into yeah, I like um, that, at another though. time. But yeah, I mean, you know, you got what makes NBC happy. Well, maybe they have Sunday night football. They can promote the race a little bit and then have and, and, and God forbid if the Colts are good and they play on one of those two um games, the Sunday night or Thursday night game, that would be awesome too. But sometimes those cards uh just don't fall. Like they should. All right, let's talk about what everybody's been talking about, Luke. And, and you're probably sick of it. Maybe you're not. Uh, we have 32 cars on the entry list for the Indianapolis 500. Obviously, the tradition, everybody knows, 33 drivers uh, start, the, start the race. Um, I w we will have a 33rd. That should come later next week. Um, it's more than likely going to be, I don't want to say his name. I know I put it on the list here. Uh, cause I don't want to overstep any boundaries, but it's somebody that's definitely ran the race before very familiar name. Um, and, and, and I think a good driver, there still could be 34. It seems a little bit outstretched. Let me ask you this, Luke, to you. I know the traditionalists will probably block us and, and hate us or whatever, but how <laughs> important to you is it to have 33 starters in Indianapolis 500? You have to. I mean, you have to have 33 starters. Again, that's just, like you said, my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I know that there have been a couple instances in the past where, you know, 1997, you had, what, 35, and then 1979, you had 35 because of the uh, USAC and, and cart split. Um, you have to have 33. It's just, 
it's such a tradition and traditions as we know are what that this event in particular is built on and in turn the entire sport of indie car racing its namesake everything is built on the tradition surrounding the indy 500 um i'd love to have bumping i'd love to have 40 cars come in that's just I think the human spirit of trying and, and being willing to go to all that effort to not even make the cut. That's why people love, you know, these reality singing shows where people get eliminated or the bachelorette, all that good stuff. It's a storyline. But if we don't have bumping, it's imperative to have 33, 11 rows of three. So I'm with you and, and I see it from different angles too. Um, and I'm not sold on one angle or one take compared to the other. Um, I'll say this. Yes, it is very important to have 33 and there needs to be 33. Um, some traditions I don't mind changing others. I do, uh, 33 has to happen and it's not going to make Roger look that great. I don't think if there's not 33, uh, especially knowing that he is one of the teams that, you know, went down to one less car from 2021. Um, obviously, there's a lot more full-time teams and uh, able bodies, mechanics, um, gearbox guys, you know, spotters, workers on the car. A lot of those guys with the experience are taken. And, you know, you don't want to put together a car that is going to have a guy that's never been over the wall during a race or doesn't have that experience, right? So I get why some of these uh, driver, or excuse me, some of these owners are hesitant to rent out a backup car or or lease things out. I will say this, um, and I, and I've kind of thought about this. If there were to be thirty four, I'm all about having 30, 34 starters for the five hundred. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that, and they're going to say, "Well, no, it's thirty three. It's thirty three. We need bumping." Look, that 34th driver, whether it's Charlie Kimball or whether it's Pippa Mann or whoever it's been in the past, Dalton Killett, R.C. Enerson, I would hate for a new sponsor to say, man, I'm putting a lot of money into this car and it is kind of a last-ditch effort and we're the only team that make it. I'm going to take my money to NASCAR. I'm going to take my money somewhere else. And, mm. and, and, I, and, and I see it from that angle of, you know, and what if it's a 34th driver that's a full-time entry? What if, I don't know what a good example would, let's, let's, all right, let's go, let's say it's Kyle Kirkwood. And he doesn't make the field and Rocket says, you know, maybe this isn't working out for us. We're going to take our money elsewhere. Now, 35, 36, 37, maybe that's a different angle. Um, but just having like, and, and, and also to the flip side of this, if there's going to be no bumping, there sure as hell better be that practice Sunday afternoon that we saw last year that was like three to seven or four to seven, where it was race trim, was it was excellent. race mode. Um, it was it was it's always the best practice of the year. It's awesome last year. Um, but I'll say this, it it kind of diminishes, you know. Yeah, top nine qualifying, I think, is is exciting. Um, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, there is there's I I think it's more exciting when there's Who's going to make it? And you've got, you know, this team changing tires as they're pushing the car down pit road to get back in, in line to qualify, uh, you know, with the gun about to go off. So um, I think a lot of people will disagree you with know, my that's take. that's an on excellent maybe putting... point. That's an excellent point because 
if you have two or three people that get bumped out, you know, or if they do decide to have 34 and do bumping and not include a 34th entry, I think the series and NBC need to work together to get them a ton of airtime, even post, you know, create a story out of it, do a whole highlight thing, the heartbreak story to make sure that those sponsors get that airtime, maybe even on race day on Sunday. Um, but 30, you know, maybe they are trying to avoid that 34th entry just for this year. Maybe there's yeah. some behind the scenes going on where they're trying to make sure that we just have exactly 33. Let's let's not piss off any sponsors. Let's not break any hearts and, and bank mm-hmm. accounts this year. Um, possibly that's why it's taking so long. I, I know that there have been rumors at one point of 35 entries, mm-hmm. but I, I think I agree with you. Maybe this year it would be good to just have 33 and and that's plenty fine by me and that and that's that's certainly a possibility and, and like i said i mean usually like you know obviously when hinch didn't make the field um you know arrow was was seen on a few of or on a bunch of the cars for uh schmidt peterson motorsports at the time and, and, and a lot of times those cars that that failed to qualify that sponsor ends up on another team car um, but again, it, it just, it really depends. Um, I know Pippa man had mentioned something on Facebook and Twitter today about just how hard it is, uh, to get it done and make the field. So uh, I know a lot of traditionalists yeah. want the bumping and they definitely want 33. So, um, yeah, we'll go from there. All right. Before we wrap up here, burnoutsports.com, the IndyCar show, Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards, Long Beach coming up this weekend. Luke, I need your top finishing rookie, your dark horse and on the spot. Who is your winner for Sunday's race? All right. Uh, I'm actually going to venture away from Team Penske for the winner. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to eat these words. But uh, I- I'm going to go with Colton Herta. I-, I just mm-hmm. He's the defending champion of Long Beach. He gets these street courses. The kid knows how to muscle that car around. Um, I think Dixon is a safe top three pick. He... he- has an average top 10 finish, an average finish of about ninth at Long Beach. Um, he only has one DNF, so your boy's probably going to finish the race. Um, out of 12 starts, Dixon only has one DNF. Um, I think Dark Horse, I got to go with Sato. I, I think mm-hmm. Sato with Dale Coyne, they're putting something decent together this year. And uh, uh, again, he's he's won on street courses in the IndyCar series before with what you would call underfunded teams and highest finishing rookie is going to be Christian Lungard. If he keeps his nose clean. I'm with you on Christian Lungard. I, th- I think he'll have the pace. Um, I think I, I expect good things out of all three of the Ray Hall, Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan cars. I think Graham will contend for a top 10 as will Jack Harvey, my dark horse, which I don't think is much of a dark horse. Although DraftKings odds today have him at 30 to one. It's Marcus Erickson. He's won two street court race, street course races over the last year. Um, I believe he's finished top 10 and 13 of his last 15 races, something crazy like that. Give me Marcus Erickson as a dark horse uh, at 30 to one. Yeah. It's definitely worth a little bit of a sprinkle there. Um, I want to pick Colton to win, but since you did, uh, I'll, I'll kind of step away from that. And I'll go with Scott Dixon. I, I think Scott Dixon is a guy that is ready to ready to break up that Penske party. 
let everybody know that he's still here. He's still a championship contender. And, you know, it's all eyes will be on him if he gets hot over the next three races heading into the Indianapolis 500. Uh, real quick, Luke, awesome exhibit just opened up last week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. Uh, I got a chance to help out a little bit on it and check it out. Some great cars, uh, some great traditions from the past. Why don't you go ahead and walk us through that and what what fans can expect to see when they walk through the doors of the IMS Museum? Absolutely, Tony, and thank you guys for the help. Um, I really appreciated all the hands that were involved in making this exhibit happen. Um, Roadsters to Records is is the newest marquee exhibit at the museum. Um, if you're there in May, come see it. If for some reason you're not at IMS during May, which is crazy, um, it'll be going through November. But it covers 1960 to 1972 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway around the Indy 500. All the innovation of the Roadsters, the front engine cars um, going all the way to rear engines and then the wings being put on the cars in 1972 legally as part of the rules package and the qualifying record being obliterated by Bobby Unser by 19 miles an hour. Um, and also it kind of covers the cultural change of that event where you kind of went from wearing your Sunday best you know, in the early 60s, late 50s in that Roadster era to the 70s, you have the snake pit, you have the parties, you have uh, you have the jean cut off shorts. So it really covers all of it turning into the spectacle that we know and we can't miss today. So stick tight to all of our social media channels, Burnout Sports, Burnout Bets, Luke's handle, my handle. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend at Long Beach. It's one of the the more fun races to watch all season, and we are certainly looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening and watching the IndyCar Show. For Jared Sparkman, Luke Edwards, I'm Tony Donahue. Enjoy the race coming up on Sunday.